0: back to Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Kath. We've got a coffee, so we're full of caffeine. We'll... Oh, oh, actually, you've got tea, so you've got you've got full amounts of caffeine. Today we're going to talk about, this is going to be, we'll call it episode one of multiple different um, uh, podcasts on domestic violence.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it's not something that we just cover off in, in one um, episode, so mm-hmm. we are going to, to just... Talk about recognising domestic violence today and what it looks like.
1: And what the difference is between domestic violence and domestic abuse Mm. um, and just unfair behaviour because some of those things are crossovers and it's an incredibly fine line because we're talking about individuals within this. So in Australia, we are developing what you would call a zero
0: tolerance on domestic violence. We have seen Sandy and I have both got clients currently that yeah. are in domestic violence situations or have recently left them. Uh, we've seen it in couples therapy, mm-hmm. and the one thing that I want to make very clear at the start of this is that we're not just looking at men being domestically violence against violent against women. Absolutely, that we've definitely seen it in the reverse with women being the perpetrators against men. So this is in no way a witch hunt against men and all the bad things that they do because we're definitely seeing it from both perspectives.
1: It just um, unfortunately seems to be more prevalent and I, I I, might be naive in this but I just put it that um, if I can, and I don't usually like doing global statements, but more that men have testosterone and tend to want to um, rule the roof so to speak. Mm. Um, but that, as I say, I don't like usually doing global statements. So we're just because domestic violence and abuse within a relationship is so cumulative on both sides usually. Mm. Um, I think traditionally we see... I know for, in Australia, the, the what you would call a stereotypical thing of when we were growing up, it would be the beaten wife syndrome. Yeah. Um, you know the woman, the little woman, and please again, it, we're not targeting men at all. It's not that this happens to men as well. It's just that I suppose in this sort of forum when we're talking, talking about, about stereotypes, you we're know, doing yeah. stereotypes. So uh, apologies again, and I and both Kath and I are very sensitive that that shouldn't be um looked at in you know this is what happens you know we're just giving an overview at the moment of what they are so you know in australia um i think traditionally growing up we had um perhaps this idea in our head of what domestic violence was and that's you know the little woman at home that gets beaten up you know the husband goes off to work and um you know, just dominates, takes away all the money, takes away all the control, gets her to do whatever he wants and just keeps beating her and hides her away. And, you know, unfortunately there's still in our society, uh, there's still that view that that's what domestic violence is and it's so far, far reaching from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as uh, we both work in, and this can be cultural as well, culturally
0: acceptable domestic violence. So they say this is how it's always been done. My father did this with my mother, or my mother did this to us. Um, you know, it's, it's very. It can it can be something. It's definitely something that tends to be a learned behaviour that will come down through generations. You'll often see it, and substance abuse is is also often a. Um, Okay, yeah, contributing factor to that. So what we're going to talk about today is recognising domestic violence on both a mental, physical, emotional and
1: financial level. Yeah, and probably spiritual, just go there because it, it affects your spirit as a person. Mm. Right, so. so would you call it, would you say
0: domestic violence is a deprivation of liberties?
1: How would you put yeah, it as a... I, gee, this is really hard. It's no, hard it's to hard. define
0: where it is because what... And, and they're all cases are different.
1: Absolutely. Because as was said at the start, each individual... So let's just blow a few uh, cobwebs out here. Domestic violence is not always physical violence. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so um, a lot of people think that domestic violence is is hitting, and it's not. So deprivation of liberty, I, think it's it's too broad spectrum for me. <laughs> it's very, it's hard. It's it's, it's hard. on that
0: it's on that certain level. Um, like if you've got somebody that has no control over their money, they go to work, they earn money, money goes into it, and they have to justify their spending. And, when I, and I don't mean that on a level of they want to go out and buy themselves a koala, you know, or something really bizarre, but they're being controlled on that financial level to the point where they're fearful and can't make any decisions on their own.
1: And see, so this is where it gets murky for both Kath and I talking about this because that can be that uh, the person that's being controlled financially Doesn't know how to communicate, but when it's uh, absolute dominance um, and they, and it may, this is what I mean, it's insidious. It could have crept in over years to the point where then finally the person recognises that they have no financial or emotional input. Um, And the person that is uh, perpetrating that behaviour may have stepped into that role inadvertently as well. It's oh, it's really complicated. This is why this has to be... And financially what, yeah, too. You yeah, can get people many.
0: that, you know, you, you get a, a married couple and for argument's sake one might be in business or they, they control, so they control the finances and they decide that they want to make a purchase, shares, so they want to buy shares and it's a risk and they goad the other person into signing on the bottom line and so they they, they're losing all of their financial decision making and and um, freedoms and then if that goes badly you know they're just expected to wear it's like they're we've seen clients that have had it where they just they've got no control or they don't know anything they're just told sign here on a bottom line they do not know what they're signing and they're too scared to question it and then they find out down the track that they've signed their name onto something that, they didn't, um, that they, weren't, they didn't understand or they weren't aware of what
1: was going on. All right, we're going to run with that a little bit just in an open sort of forum um, because that can be, so say the person that's going, just sign there, you've got, you got, I don't care whether you know what it, what it is or not. So that, the per- person that's perpetrating that behaviour, you know, there's so many areas that that can come from. So it can come from total dominance. So you know, one of the things that's being thrown around a lot at the moment at the moment is narcissism, and um, there are criteria of what people meet in a narcissistic uh, character. So they often narcissists just behave like that because. That's their personality traits. Yeah. Whereas other ones will, you know, uh, actually plan. Mm-hmm. Like often narcissists don't always plan. It just is. Sometimes they're an opportunity. Like they just yeah. do it. It's how they live their
0: life. And others can be quite conniving. I was explaining to a client the other just recently about mm-hmm. um, gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And how, um, if you're not familiar with gaslighting, it's it's somebody, and it's a form of domestic, if you're in a domestic situation and you were being gaslighted. So it is where um, one person will convince the other person that
1: they're crazy for thinking certain things. So say they might have a suspicion about something. Interestingly like, enough, I've noticed a development um, over uh, social media where gaslighting was coming up a lot and mm-hmm. then they recognise narcissism. So that is now, and people are getting more and more informed of those sort of things. Yes. Do you know, I, I haven't read much about gaslighting now. It's all about narcissism. It's about narciss- I, think, I think people throw that term around quite, oh,
0: you're a narcissistic, and think, nah, no, you actually yeah, <laughs> If you've actually ever sat in a room with someone who's narcissistic, it can be. It, it's quite um, their energy that they bring into the room, and the things that they will try and do. And you can watch them try and manoeuvre themselves into those positions of power right in front of you. And yeah. Sandy and I know what we're looking at.
1: Yeah, and we've had it. Um, it, it just for example, because we we you know we're working in that that field um, where we've had couples, and we do couples therapy together and where, you know, one partner said, oh, you're a narcissist and I know Cat saw me just sort of, you know, a bit like the meerkat and I said, no, they're not. You need to get your terminologies wrong, right, and start labelling start people labelling in. If you're going are. to label because that is incorrect, you want to use that because that person wanted to use that terminology um, to control it situation and it is sort of, you know, it's, it's and, and Kath's done very similar things in, in you know, in a defence of a client or, you know, that we've got in here. Um, so
0: how would you recognise? So let's talk about yeah. if you were in a domestic violence situation where you're being, whether it's a financial domestic violence, what would you be looking for to recognise that that is what is going on?
1: All right, well you have to look at yourself first. Okay? <laughs> right. This is like I'm finding this really challenging, Kath, yeah. and I mean this It's quite a difficult topic because uh, you
0: don't want to go out there and go you know, if you're this ticking is these a, B, boxes, B, C, you know. Yeah, because you sometimes you can tick the boxes and it's there for a good like you might have someone that had a fairly substantial gambling addiction and that they need to part of their recovery is that they need to be accountable for financial decisions and it's not a controlling thing it's more of a an open um communication Communication. so so that's a different what we're talking about is when you are unjustifiably controlled Controlled. on a financial level that causes other stresses to go on so i feel
1: like i'm beating around the bush because i don't want this discussion for anyone that's listening to it to become oh this is that because it has to, we're just giving a broad view. This is why I want to cover it over a multitude of, of forums really and a multitude of podcasts. So, you know, you, you said, Kath, you know, what would you look at? And I said, look at yourself first. So you look at your relationship, how it's been over the period of time and where you're at and That's what right. the things that you've bought or not bought to the table in that relationship. God, we're going to do relationships counselling. I am slipping away from it, I promise. Okay, so if you're sitting there and you know that you're a reasonably effective communicator, um, but throughout the years of your relationship, you have felt that ebbing away and you've not known or even noticed that that's happening. And you get to that point in that relationship where you actually finally recognise, and it is, it's just the most bizarre thing for clients when they, or people, to finally recognise that they've got what they consider, and this is the thing, is is they consider they they have zero control of anything because the emotional response uh, of stepping up to the plate to say, no, you cannot buy that $3 million Ferrari the, the abuse, the, maybe it's the verbal abuse because we're now stepping into another bit, mm-hmm. the verbal abuse of the put-downs, the marginalisation is not worth it. So you you start shrinking back further and further and further. But when you realise, you know, and it can be as just as hideous as not being able to buy enough food for the house.
0: Or women, again, if we don't want to centralize this on men but if a man was to say to his partner you're not permitted to buy enough feminine hygiene products to see you through a cycle yes that's been a, that's a common controlling uh, what what women can do or medication say you're on a medication that has been prescribed by the doctor and you're told well he is accounting out exactly the right amount of money or saying that's gone up two dollars, you can't have that medication, that's for your health and well being.
1: And when they want them over medicated.
0: Or over medicated, that's another controlling factor. But so as far as so if if you're unable to make decisions that would be for your own health and well being because you're financially controlled by a partner,
1: then that's an issue. Absolute issue. And that is called domestic violence. Yeah. Like that when you get to that level, that is a violent behaviour of, you know, stopping personal liberties and There might not be a raised rest.
0: voice or a physical component to it. Yeah. But if say for argument's sake you're a family of five and you normally would have a two hundred or two hundred and fifty dollar a week shopping budget and your significant other says to you, I'm only going to allow you a hundred dollars to do that and then to berate you if you can't feed the family on that, mm-hmm. that's a deprivation of liberty. Absolutely. That. That's a, because you know the re, there's a difference between a real and imagined fear so and and not being able to voice that that's not right
1: that that, that is that is domestic violence because say that was the case of just that example of what Kath has given then is that say you know that we'll just call a woman in that case might say oh, I can't feed the family for that then you would this is how some of this would escalate on a verbal domestic violence Think, well, you're useless, you're... And so they would place that person back into it being all their fault.
0: Yeah, their responsibility, their fault, and they're the ones that have are letting the side
1: down, so to speak. Yep, and um, even to the point where, say, someone that in that position would be going... I'm not interested. You know, may not even escalate. It, it can be as cold as I don't care. You just get the job done.
0: That's it. So in a, in a good, healthy environment, I mean, there could be a situation there might be an, an employment issue and there isn't, the, you know, you've gone from a shopping budget of $250 a week to $100. In a good, healthy relationship, you would both sit down and say, we're in a bit of trouble here. We need to feed the family on a much tighter budget. What could we do to make that happen? That's yeah. a different story.
1: Absolutely. But if
0: there is no logical rhyme or reason for you to be restricted like that, and you are, and you're being berated because you can't manage it and you're not, there's no open discussion between the two of you, then that is a problem.
1: Yeah. And let's go to, and it just rolls into the emotional violence of, um, <clears throat> you know, often people find themselves walking on eggshells in a relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that can be a communication problem, not domestic violence. And this is why I wanted to be really, really clear that you've got to recognise yourself in that. So sometimes if you find that you're in any form of communication within the relationship, you get a a curt or nasty or berating um, response back, it can be that, some of that is your input. So that, that may not be or nec- how you approach yeah, your how subject, you approach it, Whatever. That may not necessarily mean or classify as a domestic violence thing. In fact, what you've got to do is then find within you a way of communicating better. Um And that's
0: not victim blaming. No. That's that's saying because some people are terrible communicators, or they're very, very aggressive with the way that they speak to somebody and then they, what you've got is an escalating situation mm-hmm. off the back of the approach but if you for argument's sake let's look at emotional violence yeah I do know of someone who I've had in my life for a very long time that was in a relationship for more than 20 years she could not it did not matter how she dressed there, there was constant criticism. So if she got up and did her hair and makeup, she was accused of cheating. She was going and she was leaving the house. She was accused of leaving the house to cheat. If she didn't wash her hair or put makeup on, she was accused of letting herself go. So there was it didn't matter what how she presented herself every day. There was there would be a comment.
1: And I, you know, often in that situation, I would be thinking narcissist. Okay, yeah. but what it does is. Um, both Castle and I have worked with people that have been in long term narcissistic relationships. It actually takes quite a lot of work to actually feel you're standing on level ground once you get out of that relationship. But
0: And she did. She when she went into another relationship, she went out with girls, one of her friends and um and she was all dressed up and when she left the door her, her partner at the time said, You look fantastic, have a great night and she walked out the door and burst into tears. Yeah. Because she, she for 20-odd years, she'd held it together to try and get out the door just to go to work with a hairbrush. Mm. You know, it was it was that, that simple. And she didn't realise how much it had escalated to that until she was seeing somebody else and the response was different.
1: Interestingly enough, I had um, not so long ago um, a person say to me, I'm at ad- a, point now have a go at this I'm at a point that I actually don't know whether I'm being treated poorly or not like Mm -hmm. the, the reality shifts and when the reality starts shifting in those ways that often can be what you're bringing to the table or what's happening around you and you don't know how to communicate it in a different way but when it is constant and you voice, say that person you were talking about and you've gone, I actually like the way I look and I'm pleased with the way. And so you're communicating or the person is communicating that in a positive way and feeling their own self-esteem, but it's constant. There is an abuse level that happens there because it's directed, sustained attack, Mm. you know, on all levels. So that emotionally and mentally will have effect. So you could, I think, to all intents and purposes, you know, on that example, say that is a domestic violence situation. Even though there's not been any raised voices, there's not been any, um, and I should imagine that the control at some point for that person would be I'm not going out the door because I just can't be bothered with. Dealing with that. The I'm crap. Absolutely. Often,
0: though, in that scenario, that was the prelude to a far bigger issue that would go on. So Mm. it was like a – and people that have been in domestic violence situations will tell you that it's cyclical. And I know that there's a great graphic that I've got somewhere that I might be able to put up on the Facebook page that around showing how – the situation escalates and then it reaches ahead and all the, the worst possible stuff can happen and then there's all the apology and things settle down and then you convince yourself everything's going to be fine, it's going to be all right from here, this will never happen again, and then it just starts to build again and it becomes this really predictable cyclical pattern and she, she knew she knew yeah. where they were headed with that because and it would just
1: build. And that's why often people in domestic violence like um, that – Because there was um, a a syndrome, beaten wife syndrome. It was classified many, many, like three million years ago. Um, You know, when I was starting to look at how people are in a domestic violence situation. This is going back in early, early days. And they were looking particularly at people that had been beaten quite severely. And often, and in those situations, and what you're talking about is that cyclical behaviour. So I'll just sort of, Put it out there in black and white for you guys, and you just put in uh, control of you know money, emotion, um, physical control, whatever. But in this case, we'll just talk about physical violence where women would be beaten to a pulp, and they would stay in those relationships um, quite, for
0: significant periods yeah, of time. We're not talking the about rest yeah, the rest of their life, the
1: rest forever. You know, back back in the day, because there was. Very little support. They were judged for even staying in those relationships. So they had the society judging those themselves and society judging them for being in a violent relationship. So it was all their fault, okay? But what they had in, a, in that syndrome is that they would know the cycle. So often um, a woman in that situation, not often but more regularly than a lot of them would like to admit, they would uh, instigate the violent behaviour so that it was over, then they would be Go back, back into, into, the, into other. the other stage. So they would recognise when it was building and get it happening, get the beating, and then they might be in a period of limerence for X amount of time. And so this syndrome that they would be in. what their rhythm. That was the rhythm knew. that they got into
0: living. And, again, not victim-blaming, that's, that's that's survival. Yes. That was their, them in survival mode and getting them to break that. And I, and I think it's fear. I mean, I know um, a, a friend of ours who we haven't seen for a very long time, but he was in a relationship with a nurse mm. who had a severe addiction to a couple of different pain medications that used to send her quite psychotic. He worked afternoon shift and she worked during the day. Mm. He would come home from work and it was like, we, we didn't know this was going on at the time. We found out long after they'd broken up. So he would come home from work at night and the it was like a horror movie. So he would come in the door knowing that she was hiding somewhere and that she was going to come out and she was going to physically fight him. Mm. And he would, because she could be anywhere. She could jump out from a cupboard, from behind furniture. It, it, it was like a horror movie.
1: All right, and exactly he would. Then, Kath, is that domestic violence, or is that someone with severe, uncontrolled mental illness? Well,
0: that's right. So, which resulted in a,
1: or is it both?
0: It's both. So, he it resulted in a physical altercation. So he would, um, he would cop some fairly hefty bruises from her. Like, and he was a big guy. Like, he was probably six foot two and he was fairly, he wasn't a stick figure. She was quite small. But she would punch him. Like, he would end up, he, he would not fight her. He would restrain her. Mm-hmm. So he would try and just hold her arms to her side and press her up against something so she couldn't hurt him um, until it sort of subsided. But, um, and that they did that every day. But she, he would get bruised and scratched and all sorts from that. And then it was, she would turn around and say, we were fighting. And so people would look at him and go, oh, you were fighting with her. Mm. And he was wearing that where in actual fact he was not. He was protecting himself by restraining her, using his strength to restrain her. Yeah. So that's a – I mean, her addiction was causing that. And he knew every single night when he came home from work that she was stealing medication from a hospital that she would come home and that that was going to happen. And he just didn't know whether it was going to happen in the lounge room, the hallway, the laundry. It was going to happen somewhere. Because she would, she was waiting.
1: Yep. And so then, and, you know. And he stayed if, with her. Yeah. He yeah. stayed, he stayed with they her. And they sorted
0: it out? No. No, they did not. In the end, she was sent off to rehab and he wandered off and did other things, so. Okay. So, so, they, so it didn't work out. They they were in a what you would call, he was trying to save her. He was an addict. Was, oh, he was okay. a recovering addict and he okay. was trying to, it's, that's a whole other podcast about, oh, God, about yes. codependent <laughs> relationships and, and saving people in recovery and so on. Um, so, uh, but they, I mean, it was a horrific circumstance that we found out about afterwards, but people judged him because yes. they automatically assume the male's the perpetrator. It's Absolutely. got to be. They're fighting with each other. Yeah,
1: and that's why, so that's- you know, right at the start, both Kath and I were, you know, trying to get it that this is not male bashing. It's not because domestic violence happens both with male and female. And I think that you could probably hear by the way that we're both talking about this, that it's a very, very complicated um, sort of scenario it's a very complicated situation and topic but I for me I know that I really wanted to blow the stereotypical idea of what that domestic violence uh, might look like it's not just about violence as in being hit it's the emotional it's the financial
0: it's and it escalates yeah. over time. Yeah. So, this is, I suppose, thinking about are you in a domestic violence situation? Look at your relationship in the beginning and how things have changed. How your, say, freedoms may have changed. Or how, you, and, and this is not just speaking to victims, this is speaking to perpetrators. Absolutely. Have you the same. removed yeah. your partner or your, your spouse's liberties?
1: Yeah.
0: Are you exhibiting controlling behavior? Are you. Are you unhappy with your life and this is how you're exhibiting it?
1: Yeah, because often a person that is uh, displaying domestic violence is often very unaware because it's developed over, you know, a 20-year period and they're absolutely unaware that they're doing it. And often when you burst the bubble, there's this, they look at themselves in disgust. You know, it's like going, oh, my God, I did not even know I was doing that. And then, and family. then, then a whole thing comes apart. That's it's interesting. right. And
0: family support as well. I know um, someone, a friend of mine, someone in her extended family was, had experienced domestic violence in her marriage. From They'd been married at this point, I think, maybe about 15 years. And they, there'd been a lot of domestic violence. And at one point, he, the husband had beaten the wife so badly, she was unrecognisable. Yeah. And she got herself to her um, mother-in-law's house. Sorry, her, her you know, It was a mother-in-law's house, and she knocked on the door. And the mother-in-law and the door, didn't know it was her because she was. Yeah. It was not good, but she was basically told, "This is marriage. Yes. This is marriage. Go home. Put up with it. This is it. What's your problem? You know, I'll give you an ice pack and we'll patch you up here. Just go mm-hmm. home. This is life. You need to look at yourself." Yeah, what you're doing to cause this and it was it was victim blaming and a lack of support. Of course, what did she do? She went back. Yes. She did eventually leave that relationship with four children and mm-hmm. nothing and built a, a different life for herself. But she ha- she was seventeen yes. when she'd started living with him and didn't know any other life. And that was it was actually it was her mother's house. She went to her mother's. And so that was yeah, thinking about it's been a long time since I've um since she told me this story, but but that was a way of life. There was no parental support there.
1: Yeah, I remember um, growing up when I was, had a girlfriend at 17, she was going out with a particularly violent young man and he swung her around once and smashed her into a metal pole, like, like physically swung her around and she smashed it. Her and same sort of deal, unrecognisable. And he ended up going to jail and she was 16. We were both 16 at the time. And it was the drama that she lived. I could have seen my boyfriend in jail and all the rest and it didn't end well. They were together for quite a few years, but she finally sort of grew up and went, oh, that's not right. It's not right. You know, and, you know, it was, you know, there's so many things, so many different weird components where you go I can say you're a, a rescue you go I can be in this relationship and make it work I, they can I know they won't do that again and, and so then you get into the bargaining side of things in your relationship to yourself you know it's, there's
0: the fear of leaving and then often the financial because you've been controlled financially but in Australia in 2020 there's a lot of um of agencies that assist people to exit those situations.
1: So even banks now are offering up things for um, people that are getting out of uh, financial, you know, control in relationships. Like Mm -hmm. Like I'm loving seeing, you know, zero tolerance for domestic violence and, you know, the... What we're doing, the education of what that may look like, and where you sit in it. But as I say, you've got to be really careful because sometimes what you think may be domestic violence isn't, and sometimes what you think isn't domestic violence actually yes. is.
0: <laughs> so there's some thought provoking um, topics, I suppose, in the yeah. in the under the umbrella of, of domestic violence. Um, there will be more on this, but we do welcome your feedback and stories. So our email address is sky, sky view, sky wellbeing centre at bigpine.com. You think I'd know it by now. Or you can hop on the Facebook page, Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. We're on, now what are we on? Spotify?
1: Yeah, you said we might.
0: SoundCloud. On- hopefully iHeartRadio. So you can check there for the rest of them. They'll all pop up, though uh iTunes so please hop onto iTunes and and um give us a star rating and some feedback there would be fantastic and share share away but uh we hope everybody has
1: a a good week yes and, and, enjoy um, and live the best life that you can
0: live the best life that you can and um we will talk to you again soon